Welcome to Coffee and Geography, where my guests and I geek out about the world and everything on it, discovering that we are all geographers in some way, shape or form. I'm your host, Kit, and my pronouns are they, them or she, her. So settle down with a brew, hit that subscribe or follow button and enjoy the listen. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Coffee and Geography. Now, this person's job title is Graphic Recorder. That is an understatement of a job title because what you do is amazing. And I have welcoming me today, Rebecca Os- Osborne. How are you, Rebecca? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, yeah. As we were just talking before we um, um, got on the call, you know, we're about the, the rain is finally here because we're both, both in the same part of the UK. And um, what there's this thing that goes on every year, folks. It's pretty big in, in, in Norfolk, and that is the Royal Norfolk Show. And it's been drought conditions here in the east of England pretty much. And, of course, the one day it rains, Rebecca, is when my kids go to the Royal Norfolk Show for a school trip. So <laughs> have, they got, have they got the wellies on? That's the thing. Cause it'll be muddy. Yeah, I, you know what? I'm not sure. The ground is so baked dry. I'm not sure if it will cake up that much for wellies, but who knows? Well, we'll soon find out the state of their trainers when I pick them up after school today. So, um, yeah, so uh, Rebecca uh, says that she is an unstoppable creative and mum to three amazing offspring. She may not call herself a geography specialist, but through her work, Rebecca has had the pleasure of drawing live at many events dealing with issues such as the climate crisis. And her passion is making those conversations accessible and memorable. And I have got the absolute delight and pleasure, Rebecca, to have been uh, a feature on one of these uh, graphic um, boards that you've done. It was so cool. Yeah, it was great. So I drew, well, I draw live each year for Norwich Pride and you were there. And that was yep. yeah, awesome. So um, we the, at Norwich Pride, they have a talk which is focused on trans um issues um and the speakers are from the lgbtqia plus community um and it was just yeah again a lovely um thing to capture all of my children identify as being part of that community so for me to support that is a real privilege um and also it was really i was listening differently again this year because that some of those comments really resonated in with what my family feel like so there was some all kind of nuggets of information that I think were really yeah really poignant and and yeah it brings a tear to my eye occasionally some of the talks I draw live at are are quite well powerful could be emotionally charged I guess yeah we'll definitely dive into that a little bit Rebecca because uh, I mean how you how you do what you do you know humans are not built for multitasking so how you do what you do is absolutely incredible to the to the attention the creativity the skill that you do is just mind-blowing to me and uh, i can't wait for you to really describe that process uh, a little bit later on so uh, before before we get started though we've got to do the coffee and geography regulars and let's talk about um do you have a, a brew with you at all do you no, uh, what do you get it's water today oh, me too actually <laughs> it's just been so hot if you get offered a cup of tea you kind of like well, yeah, but I mean, I had coffee this morning, but it's just, yeah, it's just been really warm. So, <laughs> yeah, we can't complain, but we can complain because obviously it's the right time of year to be warm, but it's just been a bit warm for quite a while. Yes. Yeah. It seems, yeah, it seems, we, I don't know what it is about us Brits. I mean, we, 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 we're very good at both moaning complaining and celebrating about the same thing at the same time so it's like people say oh yeah it's hot and then when it's like hot for just like more than two days in a row people are like oh for god's sake i want to see it go away and it's like we're, we're such weather moaners but <laughs> then again you'd, you'd think for a for a country which has got such changeable weather we'd be used to it but i guess it's the same thing over and over again which we moan about <laughs> what do you think i mean i think the reason that we and everyone who visits our country loves the fact it's green and lush is because we get a bit of everything and that and we mm. can't think about it otherwise we wouldn't have such gorgeous yeah so we do need our you know our sun and our on our rain and yeah seasons and it's that's what's lovely about living in the uk is you get to see all those versions of the same place yeah i have no evidence to back this up this is completely anecdotal folks uh but i'm i'm just wondering whether it is the same weather over and over again is what drives us nuts because we are such used to changeable weather. You know, they usually say, you know, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes. But um, 
so I don't know, but I, I'm just babbling um, all about. But it's it's interesting that you mentioned about the greenness, because um, yeah, I, last year in particular, when we got that ridiculous heat and that dry spell, I never ever seen things so brown. I mean, it was incredible, really, and um, a lot of fires, weren't there? Because yeah, got to the point where it was yeah, like tinder. It was so so dry, and I think that yeah, that's. That's where we're heading as well, isn't it? So, as you know, and you've documented. Um, so, as I've hinted out already, Rebecca, you're you're not too far away from from me. You're kind of like east east Norfolk, kind of like on the around the Norfolk Suffolk border there. So, um, so you're current. Are you kind of like around near Beckles, between Beckles and Galston, that kind of area? I think we are actually in Beckles. At the you're moment. in Beckles itself, yeah. So, um, the question I always ask our guests is. Um, is about their location, but not not just about that, but about how how has it made you uh, as part of your identity? So kind of like, you know, is there a very strong kind of like Waveney Valley kind of vibe to you? Um, or is there other places that you've been around the world or the UK, which is, you've absorbed into your part of identity? So in terms of your location, where you are now, where you've been, Re- Rebecca, what, what kind of like has made you as a person based on where you've been? So... I was born in Northamptonshire, so in the middle. Um, but <laughs> a lot of my family, and I've done my family history, and we literally are Norfolk. So, um, right. yeah. And I think that's both sides, whether my dad wants to know that or not. It's like, <laughs> I looked at my ancestry, it all seems to be from this side of the UK. Um, and so, obviously, in my growing up, because we had family here, the beach was very important. So, yeah. this side is really important. But then... Um, I'm yeah I love going back into the Midlands and looking at those sort of well, slightly bowling hills um, but then spent 12 years in Scotland so yeah the um, being up in the mountains is really important too so I, I just I think the UK is great because we've got everything you know mm. and, it, and it's not too far before you get to a different type of landscape as well um, in Beckles we've got you know the river and it's it's been great to have some fun on a canoe and even with, we've got two dogs we've got Poppy now and she got on the canoe the other day I don't know oh. how she was <laughs> she was <laughs> cows because we were down in front of it was like cows on the, on the side and she was kind of quite freaked out but um yeah I think the thing is people moan about everywhere they live so um, a lot of my growing up was in like Great Yarmouth area and Galston and, and people moan about it but if you look for it you can find some really lovely places in everywhere um you know we get down to london a lot for work and you know there's there's little kind of secret hidden gems you just got to look for them and stop stop the moaning really <laughs> yeah in fact it's interesting you mentioned great yarmouth because you know it's it's great yarmouth is a really weird place because it's it seems to get a bad rap and, on, and there are uh, quite a lot of challenges of course there in great yarmouth especially you know after the decline of you know the the, the shipping the dock the fishing industry and all that kind of lot back in the day and it's kind of never really fully recovered it very very heavily relies on tourism quite a fair bit um and to that respect i you know i remember because i originally from harlow and essex and and we were constantly coming up to norfolk for our holidays you know it was always great yarmouth or it was hunstan and places like that um it was our go-to place you know it was accessible it was only an hour and a half away um and i used to love coming to great yarmouth as a kid you know i used to love going to the pier and of course uh, and and um uh it's not pleasure it's a pleasure beach is it i think yeah and all that kind of stuff i used to love it and um but yeah so you say there are some hidden gems then so let's let's give yarmouth and that and Gorson, that area you know a bit of kindness what would you say people coming to Yarmouth or think about Yarmouth to say right look folks forget everything you've heard to check this out go look at this go on this walk have a look at this thing what would you say from your experience would be something that people should look for or that hidden gem and there's Poppy Sorry. <laughs> hi Poppy so, Poppy may interject so that's Poppy's opinion folks let's hear Rebecca's opinion so I think I mean obviously the main thing is the well two main things I'd say about the, the coast in in Norfolk um, so obviously we've got coast and there's a lot of it um, mm. and different types of coast so you've got the bit that's very commercial um, where you can have lots of fun and you can get you know silly souvenirs and candy floss rock that sort yeah. of thing. 
um, and lovely donuts. But then you've got the coast, which has got all the wildlife. And yeah. so the second thing that I would attach to that is the skies. I mean, we get the most yes. amazing skies. Obviously, because we're on the east coast, we don't get the sunset. But if you're up in the morning, you know, sunrise. Sunrise, and, yeah. And just the amount of birds you can see. So having lived in Scotland and with a, what I always call a lack of horizon, this is the place for the horizon. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, and, you know, the Norfolk Broads. But but Yarmouth has got some amazing um, architecture. And, you know, a lot of that is obviously not in the best condition. But then also is, you know, it's very accessible um, to go and see places. We've got some amazing museums. Um, and, and Galston Beach has had work done that, in the outer harbour in Yarmouth, which has made mm. the beach more more than double in size, so um, it's one of those beaches that if it's a nice day and you get there, you will not struggle to find somewhere to to be and and feel like you're not too close to somebody else. So it's yeah yeah um, absolutely those those things, and I think like you say, people that visit see it differently, and I think that's a bit like if if. We've been involved in theatre. My husband worked in theatre, and people who know theatre don't get to enjoy theatre properly because they understand what's going on backstage. Yeah. So you know, the magic, and I think that happens with coastal towns. If you live there and you see it when it's like raining like this or it's cold, and I mean, living in in Norfolk when I was a child, I remember that the the summer was so different for the winter because in the winter yeah. and everything got boarded up and. And then in the summer, it all sprang back to life again. And I think that's what we as residents see that the tourists don't see. And it does tend, you know, and if you're, if you're having to work and, and do the boring stuff like shopping and looking after kids and going to school, all those boring things, you don't love a place the way someone does that gets to come and sit and enjoy it and, you know, have a holiday. So it's always going to have that feeling. But yeah. if you look for it. Um, you know, we've got some great independent shops. We've got some lovely restaurants and bars and things. So, yeah, just got to look for it. Yeah, um, one of my one of my best hikes, my favourite hikes. I went. I mean, I've been. You were talking about the big skies. I mean, one of my favourite places in the world is is Montana, uh, where my wife's family have a place out there, and um, I've talked about it a lot on this podcast. And of course, Montana is the big sky state, and and I keep saying to people when I go and visit, I say, you know, if you ever come and visit us in Norfolk we are effectively the UK's version of the big sky because, because we are a large County uh, and we, we, we've evangelating landscape, but it's, it's, it's very low lying. And so you can see skies and, and you're absolutely right, Becca, when you look over that North sea, especially during the morning, it's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. On a very clear day, you can see Scroby Sands wind farm from Yarmouth and Galston beach, stuff like that. And, and so the hike, to circle back i've done lots of hiking in mountains and things like that but one of my favorite hikes is that we hiked from our doorstep in norwich this was pre-kid days um my wife and i walk, walked out from our doorstep in norwich just up the top of kett's hill um and then we walked along the thorpe road and then we kind of went through little plumstead and then we went out that direction so we kind of then and the only place you could cross uh, you know was either reading ferry or um Acol Bridge, so then we came down to Acol, back up again, and then we ended up um, at Galston, staying at a campsite in Galston, and then coming back down to Yarmouth, spending the day in Yarmouth, and getting the train back. And it was delightful. It was such a fantastic hike, and so I completely get everything you've uh, mentioned there. We've been enjoying the canoe, and um, I mean, canoeing through Norwich is just you see Norwich completely differently. <laughs> to anyone it was incredible the bridges and the dates on those bridges and the little markings of where floods and things happen I mean yep. history and everything there it was just incredible but um yeah being on a canoe so we were recently out near Bongi and on the canoe there it br brings you even lower so you're you've got this lovely kind of edge of the reeds and all the wildlife that's in there and then just huge skies so yep. yeah right before we move on from the location I've got a question for you right because it's I've not. I've never been to this place, and you're probably going to be shocked that I haven't. Bearing in mind where I, where we, where we live, but I have heard that the Beckles Lido is legendary. Is this true? So, what is the Beckles Lido, and what and why would would people think that it should be the done thing, especially if you've got kids? So, Beckles Lido is an outdoor heated swimming pool, and it's right on the edge of the river. So you're like 
it's like swimming in the river but not being in the river um and it's very deep the deep end it's quite scary deep actually so you, you can actually jump in and dive into this pool which is quite rare these days because a lot of pools don't let you do that yeah um, and yeah, so you can be in that swimming pool when it's gorgeous sunshine, but it's also when it's, you know, stormy or whatever. So you get that lovely outdoor feeling of swimming, but obviously it's in a heated pool. It's not, I mean, it's not hot, hot. Yeah. But, um, no, it's really nice. And um, yeah, very, as I say, right close to the, the river. So you're getting all the, the kind of bird life and, you know, dragonflies and things as well. So, so yeah, yeah, really sweet location. But Beckles is gorgeous. Um, and mm. Do you know, we went, um, there was an art festival in town and we, the the tower is something that you can go up and it's yep. part of the church, but it's not actually joined to the church. So it's like a separate building and the views from the top of there, you can see, well, you can see the wind turbines out at sea. Oh, amazing. A long way away from where we actually are. Yeah. And it's got one of those little maps that tells you what it is you're looking at on the horizon. So yeah, and it was affordable to to walk up. It was quite high. Coming down was quite nerve wracking because <laughs> <laughs> it's a little twist kind of spiral stair. But um, yeah, and you can see the Lido from the top yeah. as well. So if you're in Beckles and you do the Lido, I suggest you do the tower as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, because Norfolk's got quite a good reputation for that kind of thing because you can sometimes go up the church tower in Haysborough. Yeah. Which is brilliant because for if you're a geographer, you know, you've got all that coastal processes taking place and the erosion stuff. And you can also go up the church tower in Ranworth on Ranworth Broad. Yeah, I've been up Ranworth and um, we've also been to the top of the church tower at Winterton, which I'm not sure if that's open to the public. Oh, yeah. Mural at Winterton School, which is um, a view of the coast and it's in the school hall. And um, part of our research is to go up to the top of Winterton. But there's some very cool graffiti sometimes at the top as well, like very yes. cool graffiti. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, which we wouldn't, do, we would not, you know, say to do that now, but it's worth going and having a look because some of it, it's not just very old, but the, the handwriting is very different to the graffiti we see. Yeah. So, yeah. But, Isn't it amazing how you've got like basically the equivalent of, you know, I don't know, Banksy was here, it, it, but from like the 16th century or so, or 17th century. It's yeah, just, like, just you, you banks, <laughs> you, ba- <laughs> you banks. <laughs> oh, right, good. I think we've definitely got a good sense of that. If, if people, if you, if you were ever thinking about visiting Norfolk, I think you've been given loads of reasons to do so. Um, now, right, fantastic. Okay, I want to talk about your work, your uh, your graphic uh, recording work because it is fan. Fantastic. I just want to I just want to picture the scene, everybody, because Rebecca mentioned it already with for Pride for Norwich Pride the year before last, I think it was. It was the first one after COVID, I think, wasn't it? Was I'm sure. It was, it was last year. Oh my god, how time flies. Okay, so for Norwich Norwich Pride last year, um I was invited to speak at the QA debate panel thing. Um, which was fantastic. There was, uh, you had, uh, Lee was there as my friend, who's a trans man. Um, I can't remember who else was there, but there was, there were, were all of us were either gender non-conforming, non-binary or trans. And, um, it was a, it was a Q and a kind of discussion about, you know, the way things are going, the, the kind of like how media is portraying this political climate, but also what, what's, what's, what's good. What's, what affirms us, what, what's joyful about being trans, all that kind of stuff. And I was, what was so interesting for me, Rebecca, I don't know if I've ever told told you this from my perspective, but there's me and these three other people with Joe Coalfield uh, at the front on the stage. We've got this audience in front of us, and then you are to our right, the panellist's right, with this giant board and all these coloured pens, everything like that. And I don't think you ever once stopped scribbling. Now, this is what went through my head, right? There was a couple of times when I missed what somebody else was saying Mm-hmm. or I was, I had to think of the question carefully because I didn't quite catch it, or I might have even misanswered questions because I didn't quite catch them because I always had half an eye on what you were doing because I was so fixated subconsciously, if not consciously, on what you were doing, and I was so amazed at the speed that you worked, the accuracy that you worked, um, and I just kept going from my mind as I was trying to have this debate, this audience debate and everything for everybody. Like, how are you? Fa- we are talking at pace and at deep things. How are you doing this? It is incredible. I mean, I I don't really know what question to ask you, Rebecca, apart from saying, 
what what's what's the pro for? First of all, describe what you do. <laughs> describe what you do, and then tr- try to explain to us the process of which you do it because it is just fantastic. So I go along to events and conferences, and like you say, I have a very large. Um, it's like we call it graphic wall, but it's basically a massive easel, and on the occasion of Norwich Pride, it's covered in paper. It can be other things it's paper um and i'd listen and draw live to try and capture some of what you say obviously it's not like a transcribing thing i'm not getting mm. word, word, but i'm trying to capture some of the um important points um some of the anything emotional so if people laugh cry get angry whatever i want that on the board because i'm there to support the communication of what's being said and help people remember it so, um, yeah, so my process is basically I'm having to listen and then sort of distill the important bits and then turn that into visuals and, and kind of the, the words that I capture. Um, <laughs> um, all that, yeah, I say um, there's colour involved um, and it's, it's all about engagement and accessibility. Um, so I'm... You know, I usually represent the person in the room that knows the least about the subject. And sometimes these subjects are very complicated. So mm. a lot of science, um, do a lot of business and it's not, they're not my field. Um, so I have to listen well and I have to, you know, the, the people who talk are communicating well and I'm just catching and capturing and, and trying to, yeah, to, to show what's been said. Um, <laughs> I've... Uh... I've, when I first when I first saw you you do that and then I've like been paying attention you know and I managed to go round the Norwich Science Festival and you weren't I didn't catch you when you were there but looking at all your stuff from the Norwich Science Festival as well and I and as you know I kind of like tried to describe it for the podcast on location I, I don't think I did a great job <laughs> but um, I'm a science communicator myself and an ex teacher so I know. It takes effort, practice, um, working knowledge to be able to translate complex information into something that's not just, you know, digestible, but accessible as well. Um, and if this, if I've got a working knowledge of something, I can probably do a good enough job communicating it. And, you know, but obviously my, my bag is mostly climate science because I've got the background on that. And I, know, and I know how much complex that information you've got to distill because there are so much nuances and factors involved in climate science, which I don't think a lot of people realize. And then you've got to pick and choose. A thing. So for you to someone to come in as a non-expert, but to be able to communicate it in a way for non-experts to understand, that is some talent and some skills. So, What's my, my question leading on from that then is was there a time when you stepped back and looked at what you did a little bit with, with or thought, wow and where you went I have learned so much just by doing this I think the so the work that we put up for the science festival was many years of graphic recording at a science um cafe that that's held well it's finished now um, I, I didn't think you did all of them in one science festival, okay. Rebecca, somehow. <laughs> but um, what was really nice about that was, um, so I sat and actually did digital redraw of all of those so that it was a better resolution to have them printed for the exhibition. So I actually re kind of revisited every bit of work that I'd done over, say it was many years worth of work. Right. What was really nice about it was as I was like opening up these documents I hadn't seen for a long time, I remembered the talk and that's the whole point of the job I do. So I didn't invent this. There's people that do this all over the UK and all over the world. Um, It's less big in certain places. In in America, it's huge. Over Europe, it's huge. There's less of us here, but there's still a big community. And and we're all very, Mm. uh, we're generous with each other. We we share things. So in COVID, it changed how we had to work because obviously we had to work remotely and and we figured it out together and, and I'm really proud of our community for doing that. So that was really cool. But yeah, yeah revisiting cool. that stuff, I was like, yeah, I remember. I remember what they said. And then, um, so to have it exhibited at the Science Festival, it stood alone without, so normally I'm supporting the speaker and the work is the kind of, the collaboration that they often didn't expect to be involved in. <laughs> they just were going to present yeah. and it's being captured in, in these drawings. But um, 
it was quite a test to see how well that stood up on its own without either me there to explain or the speakers. So um, that was quite cool. And the feedback was really positive from that. But yeah, I I think I'd be really good at um, a pub quiz with general knowledge. <laughs> bit about a lot of things but I think the the main so the two main skills that I have apart from the drawing skills that came from obviously I went to university and I studied art and that's you know that's my thing but um listening is so important in what I do but also Mm. being interested and a good speaker will do that anyway so I'm interested in all these things and I don't know enough about these things so I'm listening in a way but I'm always listening in a different way to the, the rest of the room so I always describe it that if it's like a, a business event and if they were going to talk about redundancies or promotions, somebody else in the room is listening to see if they've still got a job or they're going to earn yeah. Whereas I'm, because I'm impartial, I'm listening in a, in a disconnected way and that's really helpful. Um, but it, it's fascinating and a lot of what I do is in really powerful um, and important sectors. So I do a lot of work which has you know, a lot of talk at the moment to do with climate change throughout COVID. There was a lot of talk about, obviously, the science in that and also education and how uh, educational reform that we were trying to, you know, make things better. Um, so, yeah, you kind of come away and a lot of the time it's a bit of feeling a bit reassured that you're quite glad there's a whole massive team of people that are dealing with these things. That right, yeah. So it's mostly positive is the feeling occasionally obviously with the climate you do come away feeling oh crikey we've got you know we've got to pull our socks up and we've got to try mm. and do but but most of it feels positive because the people who i listen to are so enthusiastic and so passionate about what they do um yeah, yeah. i don't know if i've just gone, gone completely away from that no it's however you take it i mean oh yeah and i think what really struck with me what you said was when you're when you're communicating something and you're you know and you're passionate about it and that's coming at it how when you're so passionate and enthusiastic about a certain topic so with me it's lgbtq issues dei climate change how do you stay not dispassionate of course but how do you stay on the level so your communication effective because as you saw from that talk last year I, I i could get very passionate and the more that's not necessarily a bad thing but of course if the more enthusiastic and passionate you are the greater that your emotions and your and your inherent biases can can then manifest outwards and I, that for me in terms of communication is the hard one of the hardest challenges how do i communicate about the climate crisis for example without giving an emotionally charged yeah uh, piece of information think, i think people respect the, the passion and, and they respond well to it um and I, d- I don't think you'd be standing in a room with being the only passionate person in any of those subjects no, i agree so people will align to you and, and will recognize their own feelings in what you say um with me i'm i tried to stay impartial it usually isn't a problem there's been a couple of times when i've heard things that i felt i didn't align with but most of the people i work with i choose to work with um sure especially with the causes I support, they are, I'm supporting them because I align with them. So um, I, and I try to represent their feelings and do justice to what they're talking about. I mean, Mm. I have, I've presented at education events where they put on a motivational speaker and they are people that either I'm aware of. So one example um, was um, a young man who as a child had suffered with a stutter and that had helped and he's quite famous now as a speaker. And I very recently before the event, someone had shared it on LinkedIn, his story. And then when he walked out on the stage, I was just like, oh, you're joking me. This is going to be really difficult to draw because I'm going to fight. And then and I got oh. through it. He's amazing. And, you know, and he's obviously sets an example to, to anybody who has barriers to, to their kind of getting on with normal kind of everyday life. Um, and it was an amazing thing to, to see. And I kind of got through the, that part of the event. And then later on, they brought another speaker out and it was his blinking teacher. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> again. But, um, yeah, so, but the thing is, with my work, what I try and do is have the work represent what the audience has seen that day. Um, 
in the, the early days of work, I tried to research everybody beforehand so I'd have some prior knowledge. Um, and in one, one case was this guy who was streaming in live from America, um, at an educational event. And I was like, oh, it was a leadership event, sorry. And I was like, right, I know exactly what he's going to say. This is going to be fine. And the internet, I mean, this is back in, I don't know, 2016, 2017. The internet connection was rubbish. It went down. Mm. He went, the screen went blank. Everything changed. And his whole talk, basically, he scrapped it. And when he got the connection back, he talked about the, all of that being important. And he used that to just just ad-lib a whole new talk. And it totally threw me. But then I just drew what I heard and truly listened properly. And then I realised, you know, at events, often they send out written notes, they'll give you the slides and, and access to presentations. But there's a lot of stuff, incidental stuff that happens mm. that I'm there to capture. So I don't have to worry about getting word perfect on, you know, and accurately drawing whatever charts up on the screen. Um, because by capturing... Um, what happened and so what I did I drew a like little kind of on on air sign above him because it was like a nod to the fact that he got cut off and right yeah and and other things I drew in that talk and I can still see it now so that's how effective the it can be because I can remember what I drew and and I can visualize the the image Um, but yeah it taught me that it and I do I walk into every event with basically the title of the talk and that's it they don't give mm. me so I'm drawing it as it happens and what you hear as the audience member should be what you see there as well yeah wow yeah it's <laughs> it's, a pressure. it's a very precious but I, I do yeah but I, I tell but I tell you what but I, w- I would I would argue Rebecca that that even someone taking minutes in a meeting, you know, that dry standard secretarial kind of stuff that people do, I've done it, everyone's done it, you know, that is challenging in itself. And you're, I always think, have I written that down right? Have I put the right person down? I've again, all that kind of stuff. So I think you can be forgiven <laughs> for having a, but you know what doesn't get recorded? I've made, I made the mention of minutes on purpose because what doesn't get recorded is very well, at least not often, is the sentiment, is the feeling in the room, is the is the atmosphere. It's when you look back at when you look back at minutes, you're like, you're really just trying to find out. Oh, okay, did I mention about this field trip or did this whether this co- what the coach fee? Very logistical, very dry, very you know, no, no humanity in it at all. When you look at your stuff, you get the sense of what the atmosphere was like in the room. You get the sense of what emotions some people were feeling. The way that the, so for the pride one that you did for us, you know, and I was really intrigued to see, because I speak a lot as everyone knows, but I was really intrigued to see what the kind of quotes that you picked out from me, you know, and you, and there was a lot of focus on, on hope and being resilient and identity and things like that. And I felt that for everything I said, all the word salad, all of the word diarrhea with my ADHD brain comes out with you captured the essence of what i was saying and i just want to say like what thank you for putting this huge talent that you have to such positive use um it really does mean a lot Hi folks, a chance for you to recharge your brew, but also a polite prod to remind you that it's so easy to support this podcast. Simply liking, sharing, rating and reviewing means that it will get on more people's radar. Also, there are a few links down in the description which may be of mutual benefit. Please do check them out. Your website is great. We'll put your website on the, on the, um, which, uh, on the, on the show notes i know paul your your partner does things as well on the technical side of things which is great you're a good team but you've got on your twitter feed you just need to scroll down your twitter feed and it's just it's you and it's you in action doing things of course but you've got little snippets of the bits that you've taken and i'm just like you've got um a little person holding a, a pot plant with AI question marks, should we let robots do the work? Now, I can only see that little bit of that whole canvas that you've done. But now I'm thinking, hang on a minute, that's opening up all this discussion. Okay, and artificial intelligence, are we talking about farming, 
uh, growing vegetables, you know, is are we talking about should it be automated? And it opens up a whole stream of conversation, a whole stream of questioning. And so you can take the canvas that you have written and you can spend hours going to town on it, either what someone has said or what might have they said or what questions does that lead to? And it, But it's so engaging and so brilliant that anyone can pick it up, youngsters, people like me, anything. This is it. So in terms of accessibility, um, it should – like obviously it crosses the kind of from the most novice person who knows nothing to the expert should all be able to access it um other things so language with the visual side of it and there's more simplistic kind of language rather than the the jargon um it obviously opens it up to people who perhaps have english as an additional language yep so that side of it but also um so imagine somebody who so one of my science well on my science cafe regulars when I was drawing at that event um, was somebody who's hard of hearing. So he would like, you were saying you miss stuff. He would miss stuff because of the fact that the speaker microphone speaker thing just wasn't good enough for his hearing aid. Yeah. Um, and so he was missing part. He was trying to catch up all the while with what was being said. And he got to the stage where he knew to come and see me because he could say, oh, that's what they said. Oh. And I thought, yeah, this is another side I perhaps didn't appreciate so when when people go to events that are either spoken or maybe there is sign language interpretation um both those things are very transient they've gone you know mm. to the next thing the slide's gone the person stopped speaking but having it captured the way i do it allows people to reflect back on it often at coffee they'll go and you know stand around and say oh do you remember this or that's that's right and then they'll take these photographs of the tiny little snippets yeah and often we'll share them online and then you know expand upon that and say this is what was being said because they they remember what was around that little comment and then that's how it's used and you were talking about like the written notes but you know the minutes but who reads that no you know (laughs) only read minutes because they're going to go to the next the next meeting and they've got oh shoot what did I say I'd do yeah (laughs) the minutes are just for the next meeting these are these are ways that you can you know send these out to everybody that was there to help them remember um and people that weren't there um and and just yeah so i've i've used what i do in all sorts of settings i've used it in schools i've done revision walls so i've worked with a school in norwich doing revision walls on um the english text so i worked with the class so the class decided on that and that's a real powerful tool because the ownership then you know and and when there's, especially when there's children involved, the ownership there is incredible because they'll pull parents over and say, "That's that's me." Yeah, I um, said that. Yeah, I had um, a young a young man at a school in Norwich. So I do sometimes do career stuff. And what happened with that? It was like a round table. They went around visiting different business people, and then we introduced me to the, the situation. And they would then come and talk to me, and I would had one part which was, "What are your top tips?" So. It was a way of them, again, it's a bit of, we're forcing them to do a bit of revision because they're having to think, what was that thing? And then they start listening for something because they want me to write something for them. So they listen more actively as well. Um, But then in the next part of it, I talked to them and asked them what they'd like to do when they were older. And then I drew them in, like, as a silly cartoon drawing, but in whatever this role was and asked them about which how to get on that career path, how they thought they might go about that, so what subjects they might want to study. And I had a, a young man who hadn't recently had recently moved to the UK and um he was his English wasn't as good as it might have been and he had some issues because the children ne- didn't necessarily understand what his name was because it was an unusual name in, in hmm. North for them to, to say. And he what his ambition was to be a Bollywood star. And I really, really hope he does because it's cool. just a so I had to draw this kind of like Bollywood sign and drew him. And then um, he, I said, asked him about how to spell his name. And he said he wanted the pen off me and communicated that he wanted the pen off me. And he wrote his name in, um, I think it's like Arabic. I'm sorry if that's wrong, but I think that's what it, it was. Sorry, like. Urdu or something like that. Yeah. So, so he wrote his name and then he pulled the kids over and went, that's my name. And I was just like, wow. That's nice. Like powerful how thing. empowering. Yeah. And do have another story about that particular school where I was talking to one young boy um, and I said, you know, what might you be? And he said, I'm either going to be a chef or a footballer. And I was like, okay, so what would you draw okay. you as a chef or a footballer? And he said, oh, a footballer. 
And I said, so why why do you think that? Then he said, because um, Norwich City keep failing my mum. And I was like, what do you mean Norwich City keep failing my mum? He said, they want me to go and join this thing and they keep phoning. And I was like, okay. So I called the team <laughs> over who I was working with. And I said, you might want to have this conversation because obviously this child thought Norwich City was phoning all these children. Now. <laughs> obviously they'd headhunted him, but it was being missed by school. So I think I'll sort that out. He may be one of the neat, new stars of the, the football world, but um, that, that, so the power of having that, that, interaction um mm. and them being able to you know the young people being able to see themselves represented and and have that engagement was, was a really powerful tool yeah and what a way to be represented i mean i, I remember it, it, it glee you know seeing the little character of me and the, there are so many there are so many photos on twitter that you post where you've got the subject like pointing to themselves on what you've done and they've got like this beaming smile on their face like ah that's me the records the, the yeah the avatars on, on yeah the, um, and they use yeah they use it for their, their twitter profiles or something like that yeah um so question uh for you and please feel free to answer this however you feel comfortable um is that one thing that struck me I'm just oh, I'm just looking at the the video you took of of the one of the of the um the pride pride one and I just realized you drew a you drew a a starship from Star Trek from something I that I Yeah <laughs> I thought I better have it up and it's just say I think it was your quote your your queer space, space queer family yeah 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 Oh, it's, that's it cuz you you captured my geekiness as well and my reference <laughs> but um so I immediately knew i mean not the fact that you were there you were happy to do you know the the pride talk and stuff like that but i immediately got the sense that you were like a strong ally to the lgbtq community and then i later learned that you're you know you've got family members um and you talk about representation so and of course we know that things uh, we don't have to talk about the politics and, and stuff like that and the moral panic of course because that's that's quite tangible for everyone to see but um just really wanted to to find out from from yourself from your point of view about uh, someone who is got people in the game with this yeah. about how it's so important to have this positive communication the way that you do for folks like the lgbt community the trans community because from the bottom of my heart rebecca you know it's what you do is 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 powerful and i find it very affirming um, as personally as a trans person so but i just really wanted to get your take on it from your personal point of view and of course you can say as much or as little as you so wish um well i mean i have to say first and foremost they're my children so of course um, you know when you have children what you should feel is unconditional love and and you love them before they're born so you love them before you know who they are let alone right. they know who they are so your your biggest kind of concern is they're going to get here safely and then you're worried about how you're going to look after them and, and how you're going to do all those things that you've, especially with your first child, it's like, mm. how am I going to train this child? How am I going to get <laughs> yes. All these things that seem massive and now you look back and go, that was nothing. Try having yeah. a teenager, you know. And so <laughs> when you bring these children into the world, you hope that they're, you're part of their team. Um, and you need them to have this team of people who are going to be out there looking out for them. And then when you have children who, who perhaps don't fit into a conventional norm, you realise there are people who aren't just not on the team, they're like against them. And mm. that's horrible. Um, and it's, it's a very difficult situation to be in as a parent because you want them to have the easiest life, but that might not necessarily be their life. And so, um, yeah, you've got, to, you've got to be an ally, Um because otherwise you switch sides, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, one of the powerful things that came out working from with Norwich Pride, I, I did a, a talk the pre, I think it was the previous year, one before, and somebody said, you know, how do you be a good ally? And it's like, you come out as one. In the same way as somebody might come out and talk about their, their gender or their sexuality, we need to be vocal about how we feel. Mm. Other people, you hear it all the while, you know, people will make, they'll they'll test the water and see if they can make jokes to try and understand how you align and i think you have to be very very visible about how you align and to say no that's not acceptable yeah um, and 
you know, we if we all just wanted the best for each other, the world would be such a better place. Because so realistically, what you do in your life has no effect on me. But if you're happy, it will make me feel happy because, like, that's how the world should work. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't personally understand people being offended by other people because it's apart from somebody who's being nasty. Why would I be offended by you? You know, it's like it has nothing to do with me. Um, but you being unhappy offends me because because that's that's how I feel. That's how. Yeah. Um. But yeah. My my children are lush. That my husband's saying they're lush. Um, and do you know what? Like in so many other ways, they are they are growing and they are changing. And as they come into um, you know experiencing other things, that is going to change again who they are. And and we're all like that. You know, you might think, oh, I don't like that kind of food, and then you somebody makes you an amazing dish, and you it questions how you feel about things. And I think that's that is how life is. You have to be exposed to things to know if you like them or you don't like them. And you know, we all should see that as a we're all living documents we should all be growing and changing mm. um and we, should, we shouldn't have those strong negative feelings because there are the world is a rich tapestry of all these kinds of people and all these amazing cultures and and everything like that and i think with being able to support the lgbt i have to try and say the whole thing yeah. the LGBTQIA plus community. I think that's how it sounds at the moment. Um, we <laughs> worked on a really well. We worked on several things, but we've just worked on a really powerful piece of. Um, and we just, so we do animation as well. So a piece of research that's come from University of Birmingham, which focuses on a certain part of that community um, and their experiences. And you know, it's it's really powerful work for us to work on. We are you know very privileged to be a part of it, and and it makes us and our children look at our situation and and see how lucky we are and Mm -hmm. how fortunate we are to have each other um and and it makes us better parents because we're going to go we would never do that and we understand other people's parents are doing and saying things and and it makes you (laughs) get kind of cross (laughs) (laughs) feel like a mum to everybody because yeah i i i don't know it's it's difficult when my children were little i always described them as being like barbie and ken it's like you've got building underwear <laughs> i don't need to know you know on what you do with that part of you as long as you know you're eating properly and you're kind to other people and you you know you're happy i mean mm. men, the mental health is so important and i i know most people would do anything for their children but half the time, or maybe more than that, all you've got to do is just be okay with them in yeah. what they're going to do. Our youngest is trans and literally left school the other week, and now we have blue hair and a piercing here. And I was more worried about the piercing there than <laughs> I was about like, anything else. Um, so I was just like, please let that be okay. Um, <laughs> please let that, you know, nothing horrible happen <laughs> with the piercing. Yeah. But yeah, and I, and so sometimes when we have conversations and, and one of them will make an announcement or whatever, and that we have to remind them that, you know, our concerns are a much lower level. They're like, have you eaten? Have you slept? Are you well? Do you have enough money to get home? You know, we're, as parents, we're working, you, know, you can make an announcement and come out or something, but we're really still on that level of, you know, are you still okay? Are yeah. you okay? Yeah. That's nice, dear, but I asked you, what do you want for dinner? <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's like, no, go inside of your bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> go inside your room. One of my favourite movies ever was uh, was was Juno, um, starring Elliot Page. And, oh, the, the reaction that the parents have to the main character, like, disclosing, I'm not going to spoil it, but disclosing the news yeah. was, like, it was so brilliant because they were like, like the Elliot's character sat parents down and said, I've got something to tell you and then came out of it and they went, Oh, thank heavens. Oh, well, I thought you were going to tell us this. I was like, like, I was like, yes, that's what we need. So, um, when our our eldest, so when our eldest, um, told us about themselves and I just went, Oh, I've got to go and buy rainbow toothpaste. (laughs) Like, most of my job will just stay the same. I'm not just logistics. Fun. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Not to, not to dismiss it because 
like but the thing is like when you have children it's like planting a seed or having a little right. project you're waiting to see what happens and the best thing to do is just enjoy it because you know it's almost like a mystery seed that you've got and you're planting a pot and you don't know what's going to if it's going to be a good way of putting it flower, and if it's going to be a vegetable <laughs> if it's going to be do you know what I mean you just don't know and and so you know of course we some some of us we we want to influence them so we show them the films we love and the music we love oh you've now got a pruning analogy <laughs> no, you've got there's the ones that climb up the wall or drive you up the wall. <laughs> nice. I love how Paul is interjecting every now and then. Um, I'm gonna right. I'm gonna hook on on that as a segue, right? Because I don't. We're coming to the end now, but I don't want to. I don't want to let this one go. What is this? Spill the beans here, Rebecca. What is this about a team from NASA gate crashing your wedding? So Paul, when Paul and I were younger, so we got married when we lived in Scotland and it was a time, and believe me, that's been a very long time where we didn't have a lot of money. So I decided beyond that part, I decided to stay home with my children. So um, we were living off one income for a very long time. So we've always been kind of a bit, yeah, frugal and, and creative with how we've done things. You can ask my children about this. You know? <laughs> we did a lot of crafts and things at home, a lot of walking in the, you know, for days out because it's cheap but when we got married we obviously on a budget so we got married in our garden in Scotland um and it was um the first July and in Scotland like in England that would be fine because you'd probably get a nice day it was overcast and cloudy it wasn't you know what it could have been but anyway so we did it in the garden and it was lovely um but we had like a bit of a pagan wedding so we had hand fasting and we we built in all these quirky things that we really thought were funny and memorable um I think that's very us actually so we had like um we had a Kaylee um Paul worked at the theatre so they put trussing up with it we had disco ball in the garden you know it was nice you'd have loved it um the, the ice cream man came and every but he got a 99 and you know we just gave him 70 quid and that was sort of pudding done um but it just so happened at that time so where we lived it was a place called Pitlockery which is sort of central um just gateway to the highlands and there's a big hotel there and they just happened to have a NASA conference and <laughs> this group of people wherever they went up there was a mountain behind us called Benny Varaki and somewhere we could go up and it's an, an old volcano You'll, you'll be googling this after <laughs> nice <laughs> but, um yeah somewhere you can go from walking it's beautiful and i think they had perhaps been walking back from that walk and there's just this group of people and they were like hey you know an american accent what's going on here and we were like oh because by this stage it's quite late in the day you know there's been a bit of keg of beer and that was another quirk we had a, a, a keg of beer at the bottom of the garden so we we're like come in come in who are you and they were like oh we we're at a nasa conference <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, literally, that will be my claim to fame for the rest of my life. Because nice. I've been a bit of a geek and um yeah. So yeah, I, I hope this is my this is how my head works. I hope somewhere they'll have a podcast where they're like, What's the weirdest thing that ever happened to you? And they were like, Well, we went for this hike of a mountain and then we happened to go past this crazy couple's wedding and you know got pulled in and had Kaylee so you may have even inspired some of them with with their uh, celebration kind of uh antics it's like we're gonna do that ours when we have a celebrate I don't know with the next the next moon landing let's have a Kaylee with some ice cream wasn't it <laughs> couldn't we can we can imagine <laughs> oh well I feel I missed out now <laughs> well, well, people have asked us to redo it because well it's not our it's not a big wedding anniversary this year but we will have been together in october for 30 years this year wow so yeah 30 but years we'll, we'll do ice cream and a kaylee i don't know yeah, it's been 20 for me and me and my wife <laughs> right oh right this has been such a delightful chat and i i, I and i loved i've loved paul like interjecting every now and then like you know is he, nice one paul <laughs> you got your honorary honorary mention there um one last thing then is uh, to link you back to our previous guest. We do uh, a little thing called We Are All Geographers where you've just basically got a talk for 30 seconds about a word that's been given to you about the, for the last guest. Um, yeah, well, I, I – um, so – you, what I did do, I started off by saying you've got to link it to something to do with geography, but then a lot of people found that challenging, not because they couldn't think of anything, but some of them, I guess, couldn't you know couldn't choose what to say because there was a lot to do with it so basically I've, I've just turned it down now to say you can say anything about it for 30 seconds now because you've got someone else in the because of this word 
is quite cool. You've got someone in the room with you. You might want to be careful what you say because the word that you've been given by my previous guest, which was um, the cartoonist and uh, um, climate communicator uh, John Cook, is the word cranky. Ooh. Now, because that's I don't know if you heard that, folks, but Paul just cackled in the background. Growled. So I don't know if he's growling a word or. <laughs> so I, obviously, the word cranky can mean someone's grumpy and, and miserable or whatever, but um, that's not what I'm going to talk about. So Ooh. when we lived in Scotland, um, our, one of our houses was a tiny, tiny little bothy, which is basically one bedroom and a kitchen and a lounge and a bathroom um but the village that he was in is a place called Killycranky so um, <laughs> Killycranky um a very beautiful part of Scotland in Perthshire and um it's a very tiny space very tiny place but the river comes through and there's a very famous um visitor attraction called Soldier's Leap where apparently a soldier was being chased um and I'm not going to remember which side was which but one of them apparently to escape the um the charging soldiers behind leapt over the river and and wow. there. but it's very like they and in the car park they have it measured out what what the soldier allegedly leapt across um so that's the um soldier's leap at Killicranky which I would definitely recommend you go and see but it's beautiful there's waterfalls and, and loads of um yeah, so the, the the cut through of the river there is a glacial cut through. See, I've got nice. this geography going on. There you go, you got your geography in there. So, yeah, so um, and it and it changes the height of this um the river in the valley changes because of a bit further down the river is a hydroelectric dam, and when they release this, um, because if there's been a lot of snow melt, they have to let the water come through. Love we it right next to the river, and we had constant white noise because literally we were next to the bridge. And when I say next to the bridge, if you Google Killycranky, you look at the bridge, it's a tiny little house next door, which was called the Gate House, and that's where we lived. And um, we actually, the people, the person who lived there before us was um, a person, and his name was Andrew, but he was known as Black Andrew because he was so dirty, <laughs> because he was an old shepherd and didn't walk. Oh, okay. He was constantly covered in coal and mess. And the reason he didn't wash is because he used the bath in the house as his coal scuttle. And that's what the person that we took over from. And we had to clean the house. But we got an amazingly cheap rent. We paid £100 a month to live Wow. There. But he only paid a penny. Well, oh my God. Because <laughs> he'd been there for years and years. But this is at Killycranky in Scotland. So I don't know if I've spoken for long enough. But um, I suggest if anybody's ever going through, it's on the main road on the A9 from all the way from Edinburgh to Inverness. Pitlockery is a beautiful place. Killycranky is a beautiful place. And um, especially in the autumn when the trees change colour. I never, ever would have imagined in my entire life that that would have gone that way. That was amazing. That was amazing. I mean, John, I don't know if you're listening, but when you ca- came up with the word cranky, you literally meant, you know, cranky because of your cranky uncle app and like moodiness and something like that. But that has got to be, folks, and I've done, this is what, like 70-odd episode now, Rebecca, the most, and but, but testament to, to you, totally you, the most creative link and most coincidental link ever. Now I know why Paul laughed because you were like, Oh my God, this random word that this person came up with last happens to be one of the s- syllables in where we used to live. What are the chances? Yeah. So, oh, I used to work for the tourist office when I was living in, in Pitlockery. So, the, that was like, that was a really good job because you get to kind of go and explore the region and then, and then sell it to other people. Sounds delightful. I, sell, I didn't have to sell. So, my whole job was just making people's holiday bear. Oh. Without it costing them any money. So, you just had to know know your stuff and and share all the hidden gems um yeah so that was yeah but i would definitely recommend and and that is the contrast of living in norfolk to living somewhere like that oh i can imagine yeah i mean we're, we're heading up to um we won't be able to go that far north from edinburgh but we're heading up to um just south of edinburgh and pennycook at the end of the summer to see some friends who used to live down here um Scottish, uh, one of my best friends, Scottish, who's moved back up to that part of the world that he's from. Um, so looking forward to that. A, I was going to say, there's a very beautiful waterfall down on the borders. So as you're going up over the borders, um, there's a, I'm trying to think where it is now. It's near, like, off from 
Jedburgh way, I think. So, okay. yeah, and it's called Grey Mare's Tail because the waterfall as it comes out looks like the tail Grey of the I'm going to have to look that up. Thank, Thank you. you for that recommendation. Folks around there, go and see, go and, go and have a gander. Now, before I forget, you've got to come up with a word for the next guest so that they can uh, have a little bit of a chat, chatter about. So one term I use with my work is capture. But when mm-hmm. I'm talking about capturing stuff, it's because it's the way I'm listening to it and I have to catch the kind of good bit. So could you use... There you go, we capture. Yeah, that can be interpreted in many different ways. We'll go with capture. I've talked about what I do is when people play a didgeridoo, they do circular breathing and I do circular thinking. So that's how I capture because I have to have a thought here, a thought going in here and a thought that's happening with my pen. (laughs) I've never heard that. That's a pretty good term. I love that. Circular thinking. So... Lastly, uh, then, so is there a couple of things anybody you want to give a shout out to? And please, please, please do plug plug yourself where we can find you and your website and stuff. So those just, just the the last two things to do now. So I think shout out is to like basically all our family and friends because um, you know, we've we've had a very busy year and it's going to get busier because we're going to move again. So yeah, um, all the people that are helping us and supporting us. Um, and supporting Paul and I and what we do as well. Um, you know, we have a, we're in a very privileged position that we get to work with a lot of amazing people. And um, and I'd just like to let me carry on doing it because I just yeah. love it so much. Um, we do a lot of animations now, working with people like the NHS, and our messages are very important ones. And and I say we we are very privileged. So um, a shout out to all those people we work with as well. Um, thank you for letting us be part of these amazing projects um yeah to find out more about me um obviously we have a website which is um rebeccaosborne.co.uk um i'm on all social medias um you can find me um my twitter handle is at rebecca v osborne because my middle name begins with a v um and i think the other one was gone um and on instagram it's just becca v osborne so it's v-e-w-c-a-v um, but yeah, and um, that's it. Really. If anybody's interested in, in you know, talking about to me about what to do, what we do, or we're always really happy. We're both Paul's ex teacher and I, ex supply teacher, or maybe not ex. You know, quite happy to go and do that again. <laughs> we, we're very passionate about the two things that our main passions are is the communication stuff because it's really important, um, but also sharing. Um, our knowledge to help other people um, we love to to do that um, we've got like a lot of people as you get older you've got a lot of really important knowledge that is not mm. always useful to us anymore but would be useful to other people so we're always happy to to help other people um, get you know get on with the things that they want to do by sharing what we've learned so we I mean we work a lot of artists um, in Beckles at the moment we've got a, a gallery space and um, we're working with um, new talent and not giving them an opportunity to showcase their work, but also happy to talk to them about cost in their work, how to to get visible um, and and do things like make invoices and stuff like that, that sometimes mm. isn't as well covered as it might be at college and university. So, yeah, we're, we're very passionate about, uh, I see there's a real maternal instinct to just make everyone, yeah, happy oh, and stuff. Yeah. We've been fortunate enough to have other people who have supported us, and that's what we'd like to do, pay oh. back as well. Oh, well, Rebecca, you, I, you know, I, I certainly get that vibe from from you, you know, that, that paternal caring um, instinct. And I'm so and, – and, and I mean this genuinely. I mean this genuinely. Saying yes to do that Pride Talk was – the best thing about that was coming across you and the work that you do. Really, I really honestly genuine mean that. I mean, for me, you know, as an empathetic person myself, like I really do value social connections, cohesion, and stuff like that. And I enjoyed that talk. I do those kind of things quite a lot, you know. Um, but I'll always, always remember looking over to my right, <laughs> seeing you scribbling down, um, capturing the moment, and just the joy that we all felt from from seeing such beautiful color 
and our words represented in such a beautiful way. So um, thank you deeply, I Rebecca. On that occasion last year, I had my eldest child with me, Dee, oh. who um, was very helpful. Um, Dee has worked with me quite a lot, and they, they're really good at finishing off what I've started if it comes to that. But uh. there's a few things that I don't draw well, and Dee is very good at doing that for me. Well done, Dee. <laughs> know what I'm talking about Dee if you hear this um, <laughs> I draw them they look very wrong and Dee's very good at making them look right but um yeah Dee as well is a useful person to have on board because they've got lots of like like all of us lot in the family they've got lots of knowledge about things and Dee's got a lot of knowledge about um anything techy but also as a non-binary person um Dee was yeah helping make sure that the messages I was capturing were that there was some authenticity coming because Dee was there as well. So yeah, a really good person to have with me. Well, thank you for giving up so much of your time, Rebecca. And, uh, and, uh, and Paul, thank you for also for your little interjection as well. And, and Poppy, they were very, very welcome as well. So um, I hope to see you again soon, uh, Rebecca. This has been an absolute delightful conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you had fun. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe so more stories and experiences can drop into your favourite podcast app. If you fancy being a guest or have any feedback, follow us on Twitter at CoffeeJogPod and send us a DM. Or you could email coffeeandjog at geogramblings.com. Until next time, keep geogging.